Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today on the, our episode, we have joining us Marty Yaskowitz. Marty, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you so much, Chris. Glad to be here. Really excited to spend the next few minutes with you. Yep. Marty is a very busy guy. Right now, beyond like the many different things he's doing, he is the principal for 3-1 Strategic Consulting. Marty, tell me about 3-1. Yeah, I was kind of born out of, uh, you know, a series of, of corporate positions that I'd held very senior executive roles at a variety of different companies. And what I was finding was always the need and desire among mostly executives in the, in the sales roles, but also in, in just the C-suite to, you know, have a better and tighter corporate strategy, have a nice tight brand strategy and, and story to tell, and then really a sales or a go-to-market, you know, strategy that kind of brought them all together. So the, the, the thinking behind 3-1 is a consulting practice, you know, led by me, but supported by others in my network that can help executives form, tell uh, those stories uh, to the market in, in whatever industries they're in. We work a lot with um, startups. We work a lot with scale-ups, um, but we also have some very established businesses and companies that need all of those services. And at various points in my own career, I have been the owner of those various strategies. I love all three of them. I didn't want to just, uh, uh, you know, sort of focus on one and, and not uh, approach the others because I, I believe that all three need to be working very well together in order for any business, any organization to be successful. Oh, that takes me back when I started this company 15 plus years ago. Um, I just thought, oh, I can just go and just sell. But there's so much stuff that you have to do to understand this. Like you're saying, there's three pillars here that you've got to have nailed down to be successful. And it's not just about selling, you have to have a brand, you have to have, I mean, there's just so much involved. It took me a while to figure that out. But once you do, it just makes it so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I think it takes many of us and it took me a long time in my own career, you know, the, the years of, of working in those different roles to really understand how they all three of them connect. So, you know, the way I position uh, our services is somebody who's kind of been there and done that and seen it and seen what has worked and seen what maybe hasn't. And, you know, I, I have a, a real strong passion for brand. I have, a, I have a great passion for leading organizations at, at the corporate level and the strategy level and keeping everyone on the team really connected. Um, but I still love the pitch. And, you know, um, the, the salesperson in me, and it's, it's funny, like I'm on this podcast about being a sales leader. Um, I remember, you know, I was in my first role uh, at a creative ad agency. So sort of Don Draper-esque selling, if you will. And uh, I was describing it to my dad. My dad was an elementary school teacher. Uh, you know, his, his, his experience in business was very, very limited. And he said, well, just tell me what you're doing at this new job that you have. And I, I described it. He goes, oh, you're in sales. I said, I'm not in sales. <laughs> I was a very reluctant, very reluctant into the whole. And now I spent, you know, 25 years basically pitching every uh, major company in North America, everyone from Samsung and T-Mobile and, and Verizon to uh, Uber and Clorox and, uh, you know, uh, no. McDonald's. So um, for somebody who, who never thought they were in sales to begin with, uh, I've made a, a pretty solid career out of uh, helping people tell their story in sales uh, more and more. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So that, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is that 
you really come at sales from a I think a fairly different perspective or or perspective than I think most people that get into sales. And so can you talk about how you leverage this, you know, coming from the creative side or, you know, just that yeah. world that you come from? It's very different, I think, for most salespeople. Yeah, well, first of all, I started in a in an industry where you're selling people, you're selling services and ideas and creativity. Those are very intangible, right? The last five years I've worked in, in retail software sales, much more tangible product to talk about. You can talk about speeds and feeds and data and, and you know all the, the all the great things that, that those systems can do. But for, for 15 to 20 years, I was really I was really pitching uh, and telling the story of an amazing group of people who, when they come together, can make magic. And that magic often is very, very intangible. But I can tell you that the people who bought those services, and we won a lot of pitches, and we worked with a lot of great clients over the years, and you know, you get exposed to all their strategies, is they really do want to fall in love, right? And what people fall in love with and what they remember are stories. They don't remember how many individuals were at your agency, or they don't remember how many gigabytes your system can process over somebody else's. Those are, those are immaterial. They are falling in love. It's no different than dating early on. They're falling in love and you need ways to get them to fall in love with you quicker, deeper um, than the other guys. And so for me, the, the idea of sales, um, you know, in, in my career has always been about being a great storyteller, um, having a great story, creating a great story, sometimes, you know, maybe even stretching a little bit that story into, into a place that maybe you, makes you even a little bit uncomfortable. But the reality is, people want and they remember stories and they, they want to hear your story. And it's no different when you're meeting someone for the first time. What do you do? Who do you do it for? You know, that, that curiosity, that creativity has to be there. And, and that, you know, that gel has to be there from the beginning or selling is very, very tough. Then it becomes, you know, what's your price? What are your speeds versus somebody else's speeds? And that's, right. that's a race to the bottom. And we've all seen that in sales. Oh yeah. No, I love that. And I, I, I wish I could remember the name of the person that, that uh, this young SDR, I was listening to a podcast and she was talking about how she gets people to engage with her. And she's like, I picture myself, I'm at a cocktail party and I'm going around right. talking to people. I'm not gonna walk up to someone at a cocktail party and immediately like launch into my pitch. I wanna get to know them and build a relationship. And I'm like, I love that analogy. You yeah. Know, that it's like, I'm building a relationship before I try to sell. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I've always, you know, somebody said it to me very early in my career and, and it's really stuck with me, which is this, the person who speaks the most in a meeting thinks the meeting went the best. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if you have 60 minutes with a prospect and you gobble up 58 minutes of that, telling them all about you and your product and your service and your company and your business and all the case studies that you have. And then at the end you say, are there any questions? And they say, no. Well, guess who thinks that the meeting went the best? But if you approach that same meeting with, I'm really curious about your business, I'm, you know, and you're asking good questions and you get them to open up and maybe even tell you some of their biggest challenges. Well, that's the key to selling, like really getting them to do the talking. Um, most of the like, formal business development or sales training I have has been all around, you know, uh, treating every call like a discovery call where it's like, I've got a deck. And I can, I can share the slides with you, but like, honestly, the best meeting is when you never even get to the deck, <laughs> you right. just have a great conversation with somebody and your curiosity and your asking of good questions, um, really comes to the fore. Before I did all of this, Chris, I was actually a journalist and a broadcaster. 
And uh, I worked in sports journalism for a few years. It was my first first real job out of out of university. And um, I remember before my first broadcast, I was sitting. I was the color commentator uh, analyst, and I was sitting with the with the play by play guy. And I said, "So what do I do?" And he said, "Well, when I stop talking, you start talking." And you better have something to say. <laughs> and, and there's something in there's something very true to that in sales, and with a bit of a twist, which is when they stop talking, you better have another good question to ask, right? It's not just about filling the time with, okay, well, let me tell you about more about you know our company or what we do. It's tell me more about that thing. You you mentioned something there that was really interesting or insightful, and I want to learn more about it. If the more you can get them talking, the more you can get them opening up about their challenges, they're kind of giving you the answer sheet to the test, right? right? And as a salesperson, we're trying to get that answer sheet as quickly and effectively as we can. And again, some of that is, you know, sharing some anecdotes about yourself, some great stories. The other flip side of that is really asking great and, and pointed questions. And as a former journalist, I can tell you lots of, lots of great stories never get told because you know, the person doesn't ask the right follow-up. Right. You mentioned something there. Let's just tell me a little bit more about that, right? Um, it's the best sales tool in the world is just the follow-up question. Tell me more about that. Right. How do you balance telling your story with trying to get your client to tell you their story? Yeah, uh, it, that's a really tricky one. And I think over the years, I actually discovered a couple of, you know, interesting ways of doing it, but also some really like logistically um, foundational ones. One of the things we did at the agency for years, we had a, we had a placemat that we put in front of people. In, so we'd go into a, a pitch or a presentation and the first 15 minutes are always a big waste of time because everybody introduces themselves. It's, it, it takes up a bunch of time that you actually want to have with, with, your, with your prospect. But the reality is, you know, that's important time. You're getting to know them. They're getting to know you. So what we did was we made this, this place card and it had all of our team's, you know, faces, a little bio about them, some key things about, you know, why they're in the room today, what they're going to be talking about, and maybe a little anecdote. So if we were talking to a, an automotive client um, or prospect, you know, this is Marty and, and Marty is the strategist and he's going to be talking today about these things. And Marty's first car was a 1976 Honda Civic, right? And I didn't tell that story. <laughs> we didn't spend a minute or a second in the meeting talking about it. But guess what happened when they started reading the placemats? They all wanted to tell us what their first cars were. And it, it's, yeah, maybe we, we still spent 15 minutes introducing ourselves. But the connection we made was so much stronger than if we just all stood up there and said, I'm Marty, I do this. This is Susan. She does this. This is Jane. She does this, right? Like taking that thing that we all hate in a meeting, which is, oh my gosh, we got to do these introductions and turning it into something really positive and, and, and much more meaningful, but also not using up all the time that we didn't, you know, we didn't want to use for it. So right. there's some, there's some tricks like that, but I think they're just like gold mines, like just gold mines that when you come across it, you're like, of course, this is the way to do it. Um, it just makes so much more sense. Right, right. So let's talk about strategy and its role in the sales process. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, what I see in sales today, and I still get, I still get a ton of cold call outreach. Let me, let me phone you and tell you about my thing. Let me, let me take 30 minutes and tell you about my thing. And I just feel it's so programmatic and it's so... Uh, impersonal and you know in some cases 
they're, they're trying to pitch me on something. I haven't even worked in that industry for five years. I haven't even done the basic research of looking at my LinkedIn profile to see that I'm no longer at that, at that place. And I just think it's so lazy. Yeah. But I think, again, great salespeople, they do a lot of research. They do a lot of understanding who is their, their biggest customer, who's their, the, the, you know, the prospect that's really ready to buy, able to buy, and, and you know, ultimately wants to buy. And so that strategy of like that combined with, and what are we going to tell them about how our solution maybe meets their needs? Understanding that need, obviously, in discovery is so, so critical and such a huge part of the strategy. But identifying those people early on, um, I think, is, is so, so important. I think most salespeople spend way too much time talking with levels of an organization that are not the buyer, do not have the budget, and are trying to check a box. And then you get into a game of box checking against everybody else in the business. And that's a really, that's a, a really dreadful way to sell and to try to sell because it's not very effective at all. Oh, no, it's not at all. And it's... Um... I've seen this rule change over LinkedIn, um, you know, where I still get, I get bombarded with emails like everyone else, but my LinkedIn account is, it, I'm amazed at how much that has changed over the last couple of years with the same type of engagement where they're not really spending any time and it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh, I say we have a whole bunch of people with connections in common. I thought we should connect or, you know, it's like, yeah, you and a thousand other people. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And I was like, come on, learn who I am. Like you said, yeah. Come, you know, demonstrate you've spent a little bit of time figuring out what my business is, who I am and what I care about. Yeah, it's the basic research is actually a very lost art in sales, I would say, like even just just Google my name and see what I've talked about or, or Google a prospect's name and see what's important to them and what what associations are they a part of and what are they, you know, where do they volunteer and what do they coach? Are they little league? Are they like, there's just so much information available to you as a salesperson to go into some of these calls without any of that, without having established any of that um, just seems like, you know, you haven't just done the basic homework of, of yeah. what you need to do in, in this business to be effective. Oh, no, it, it, it boggles my mind and, and, uh, so if you're engaging with a new client and they're like, Marty, we need your help. What's the first, you know, 90 days look like for you when you're working with a client? What are you focusing on? Well, I, I'm focusing on what are their biggest challenges, right? And sometimes what they think is their biggest challenge is actually not really truly their biggest challenge. So where I try and uh, come into most of the engagements that I'm doing on the consulting side are a little bit of a diagnostic as well. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, it's just spending some time with their executive, you know, asking the right questions, probing a little bit deeper. Um, but what I also find, having worked on on brand and brand strategy for many years, is if you just ask the executive about the brand, you get a very different story than if you ask people on the front lines or the receptionist at you know <laughs> the, the 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 headquarters who answers the phone or you know. There's lots of different pockets of an organization that have a very meaningful role in, you know, what you say to the, the external market and what you say internally to your employees that without kind of getting that information, um, you're probably telling a very thin story that maybe the C-suite wants out there, but isn't really that true and that real to the organization. And so most of what I try and do early on is really spend some meaningful and quality time with people across all levels of the organization. New hires, people who've been there a long time, people who work in the warehouse, people who work in the front office, you know, obviously the brand marketing salespeople, you have to talk to them, but 
their lens is pretty finite. Um, so you need to kind of broaden that out. And I really encourage executives that I work with to let another, let a third party go ask them those questions because nothing will shut down a great sharing meeting than having the CEO or the founder in that meeting because it's their baby at the end of the day. And it's really hard to call them ugly sometimes, but people, if given the opportunity, will actually share the truth, their truth with, um, with somebody. And as long as you're willing and open to hear that, um, that's a really powerful thing, I think, for any organization to, to go through. Oh, I believe it. We do the same thing. I mean, so much of what you said, it's the same kind of thing for us in, in our practice when people call so like, hey, we need help with CRM. And I start digging into the whys, like, why do you think you need help with <laughs> CRM? And CRM is a symptom, but there's usually a whole bunch of stuff totally. behind that that you have to totally. look at because it's like, oh, yeah, I could fix your CRM. But if we're not fixing all this other stuff, it's not going to matter, you know, because all that stuff yeah. is impacting, you know, so it's like same thing for you with brand. Like if you're not understanding all the other stuff, it's all hitting your brand. Yeah. And I mean, CRM is great. I know it's very close to your heart, Chris. I, and I, <laughs> you know, I, I led it, an enterprise uh, CRM um uh, upheaval in my in my last role as a sales lead, I, I certainly see the value in it. But at the same time, if the behaviors around that CRM are consistent and new and adopted, right. um, sticky notes and whiteboards work just as well. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> if people are up, if, yeah. or if people are updating it, uh, if if you know you've got a huge Salesforce or a large CRM implementation and nobody's using it. It's just a lot of money that you're you're pouring down the sink every day, really. Exactly, because you're not dealing with the people. You're not understanding the people that are using the system, what their needs are, what's going to make their life better, their job better. Um, you know, the other systems that are around that they have to deal with, the processes, there's so much involved that as a, a leader, you have to address all that stuff and create a strong foundation. Um, yeah. And I know I love that approach. What are some of the common struggles that when you're engaging with, are there, are there a shared set of struggles people are having? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one, and this is why I think the way I position um, our group is is kind of looking at all three of those areas is, I think it's, it's one thing for, you know, the C-level of an organization to set a strategy and this is where we're going and this is the lighthouse. And then the marketing people go off and they, they make up a brand and they, you know, they're so deep in the brand piece. And then the sales team goes out and they disregard both of those things. And they just go sell anything to anyone that will buy. Right. Because they're incentivized in a different way. So like the, the way that those three systems work together is so, so critical. And, and again, like making sure that the connection is being made between, you know, what are we saying to our employees about where we're going and who we are and, and, you know, why, why, why we're all here? What is our purpose? What is our fight? Right. Um, so that marketing and communications can tell that message externally and support the sales team with, you know, kind of air cover about this is, this is what the business is about, or this is what the software does. And then the salespeople can, again, reinforce that again, because the biggest problem that you have in most organizations is consistency of messaging internally and externally. And so often what I find is the external messaging is great. They've got great ads or they've got, you know, great, you know, something content out there and, and their, their sales team might even be, you know, really kind of lockstep with that content and it's great. And then you go talk to employees and they're like, we don't really believe it, Marty. <laughs> it's not, it's not our truth. And, you know, we don't operate like this or the product team is like, that's not what we're building for. <laughs> you know, we're getting told, we're getting told to build something different and we're going in a different direction. And you have this organization that's doing this, you know, converging in different places and, and they're just not synced up. 
And I think often it takes somebody from the outside and in my, in my experience, somebody who's got experience in all of those areas to come and shine a little bit of a light in the corners and say, I think maybe there's a disconnect here. Um, because if what you say to the outside world of your organization and what you say internally to your, to your staff are different, that's a really, really big problem. And you might get away with it for a while, but you will not see the large, the long-term success that I think is really critical if all of those pieces are working together. So how does that happen? These disconnects happen. Is it that strategy is being developed on its own without sales or marketing being involved? Marketing is doing its thing without sales and strategy being involved. Is that what's happening here or how does this evolve? I think, I mean, we all work in sales, so we know KPIs, right? <laughs> but when you have KPIs that don't align, it immediately happens, right? So sales is incentivized in a certain way. And, um, you know, the people out there, whether it's SDRs or, or account executives or whoever are getting compensated some ways or they're getting measured in some way. Well, guess what? We do what we get measured on, <laughs> right? So, right. It, it better make, yeah, same thing with the brand and the and the marketing people. Like if they're incentivized in a certain way, but that doesn't line up with how the sales group is thinks about the way that they're incentivized or what they're being graded on, um, th those things will just never, they'll never work well together. Right. Um, and, you know, people always say, oh, we, we have a lead of sales and marketing and they oversee both. And it's like, yeah, but what are you measuring, right? Like what, like what you're measuring matters to people, right? How they, how they, you know, progress in their career, how they, you know, get compensated more over the lifespan of their career. Those things matter to them on a personal level. Yep. So they're going to, they're going to go to that. That's the, that's the brightest light for them. Um, and they're going to be drawn to that flame. But again, if those things and the corporate measures aren't in sync, again, it's, it's the same problem. Um, and it's challenging. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to say like, this is really easy. If it was really easy, there wouldn't be, you know, folks like me or you needing to go into organizations and really kind of show them that like, hey, this isn't working. Um, this isn't working. And, you know, doing it in a way that's dynamic and uplifting and, and, and gives people something to kind of rally around. Um, you know, that's the way I've always approached it. Again, coming from a creative side, coming from um, a storytelling background, whether it was journalism or, or, you know, on the marketing and brand side, um, you have to get people excited about, hey, this is where we're going and this is why this is why we're going there more important. Yep. No, I love that. Um, I always, I talk about that all the time. You have to have a why. Um, you have to tell story to people about yeah. why we're doing this, why this is important to the organization, why it's important to the customers, why it's important to them. You know? And, yeah. And, 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 I'm a big I, I, no, I, yeah, Totally. And we, you know, um, we're on the same page there for sure. I also think as salespeople and, and, people that are telling that story, there's a skill that not everybody has, which is they need the 30 second version of that story. They need the two minute version and they need the five to 10 minute version. And I feel like a lot of sales leaders focus on the long and large version. Make sure you have the, all the points, but sometimes you have an elevator ride. Sometimes you have a, you're at the coffee break of a meeting and, and you have a, just a split second to kind of get that point across. And I think that is a bit of a lost art. Of, of the of the seller today, which is they don't have they don't have that library of you know short, medium, long versions of the same of the same story. And whether it's a, a product you know story or whether it's something much larger about hey, this is where our organization is going. That's one of the things that I try and teach in, in the workshops that I do, which is have that library of you know 
all of the stories and have them on top of your head, but also have ver like different versions of them that you can tell very quickly or, hey, let's sit down. I'm going to take you through this case study yeah. and it's long and rich and like there's multiple pages, but sometimes you just don't have that time. It means the story is, can be no less effective. It, it's in some cases, it's even more effective when you can tell it quickly and effectively. Right. And that's what people remember too. Like people remember the yeah. stories. They don't remember the details of, you know, like you mentioned, like yeah. all the specs and that kind of stuff. Nobody remembers that. Yeah, and you only have to look at, you know, civilization over the last yeah. <laughs> ten, two to 10,000 years. Uh, that's how we know everything. That's how we remember everything. That's how our grandparents taught us how to do things. That's how our parents taught us to do things. Um, they told us stories and because we, we remember stories. It's literally in the cortex, like it's in the brain to be able to do that. And so when I think of, you know, when my dad said, oh, you're in sales, I was like, no, 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 I'm in storytelling. <laughs> and that's very different. And like, th thankfully, I grew up in a family of storytellers. So I learned the, the, the craft, if you will, around the, you know, the, the supper table every night, the dining room table. Um, but it's, it's no less, it's no less important. It was refined in journalism and broadcasting where you have small bites that you have to get a point across very quickly and move on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, evolved in, into, you know, the creative experience and understanding how stories work there right through to, you know, enterprise sales in a, in a SaaS organization. Um, it's funny, like I look at my career and I say, it's very disparate. It's all over the place, but there's this common thread that continues. And, you know, as I was thinking about what I wanted to do in this latest chapter of my career, that became a thread that I wanted to continue to weave through all of it. Yeah, I love that. If I'm a sales leader and I'm looking at my landscape around me and, and my business, and I'm starting to sense that, hey, you know, everything Marty's saying, I think that's true about my business. What do I do about it? What should I be focused on to start implementing some change and addressing these issues? Yeah, I, I think the first is to look inside, to look internally. Um, and that's why I think the corporate strategy and the product strategy and like, where are we trying to get to? And what is our ambition? What is our big goal? What is our mission? Like, what is our man on the moon, if you will? And setting that and making sure that, you know, internally, <laughs> If, if that's not clear and that's not bought in, if people aren't bought into that, that you, you're just, it's going to be tough to get any of the, you know, the external, um, you're going to have just people going and doing whatever they need to do to, you know, to get a reaction that they think they're, are being um, implemented on. So I really, you know, I, I start there um, and starting with that, why I, I call it the fight. Um, you know, what, what do we as a business fight for? It's a, it's a question that not a lot of executives are asked, but when they're asked it, they, they certainly think differently about their business. What do you fight for, right? We, we all want to grow our business. We all want more revenue. We all want more sales. We all, you know, we can all say those metrics and those KPIs are very easy, <laughs> very easy to set out. But what do we fight for, right? Um, very different. And I always say, like, if you're fighting for something, generally that means that somebody is fighting for the opposite. So, you know, I think sometimes when you really push executives on, on that kind of why type of question, they come back with things that feel very vanilla and very same, same. And it's like, wouldn't every you know software company say that? Wouldn't every manufacturer of shoes say that? Um, like really pushing them to like, why are we doing this? And why are people gonna be drawn to, to work for us, to work with us, to partner with us, to buy from us? Um, if you don't have that at the core, all the rest of the echo of, of the ripple in the water is, is a little bit meaningless or, or it can just be, you know, completely misaligned. So yeah, start internal, <laughs> move yeah. external. 
I love yeah. that. I, it takes me back to what, very early on when I started this business, I was in a, a webinar where we, they had a sales consultant come in and talking to us all. And, and he held up a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper. And he said, every one of you that's on this call right now, you're this sheet of paper. You're the same as the 500 other sheets in this ream of paper. Right. Um, you all say the same thing in your marketing, your message and all that. You're no different than any other sheet of paper. You have to find a way to make yourself different, you know? And, and I'm amazed at how many companies um, haven't gone through that exercise to really figure out <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, we make shoes or whatever, but what makes our shoes special? Right. You know, yeah. and, and what makes us different? And, and really honing in on that and making that part of, of the core of, like you're saying, the core of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, again, like we all want to sell more. We all, we all you know, oh, yeah. we all want to grow our business. We all want more revenue. We all want to sell more shoes or more software or what have you. Yeah. But why, you know, why it's important and why somebody is going to be drawn to that and stay with that ultimately right. is, um, is a much, it's a much more challenging question to, to ask. And I think, it, again, for, for a lot of founders and a lot of executives in the C-suite, like they're so head down on other things that they seem are very, very important that they never kind of step back. They never sort of step back. We had an expression that I've, I've heard many times in my career is like, you're so far inside the bottle, you can't read the label, yeah. right? And, and sometimes it just takes somebody else to come in and ask some questions right. and say, hey, are you thinking of maybe a little bit myopically here? Or what about this? And tell me more about this. And through that exercise, and I've done those types of exercises with you know, Capital One credit cards and right. Uber and Clorox and like, you know, Verizon, like you, you get a better read and a better understanding of those, those businesses. And they start to understand themselves in a much, um, in a much different way. And technology is the toughest. And, and I, I, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are in sort of a technology sales type of um, uh, role because it's so prevalent today. Everyone's right. in software and everyone's, you know, yeah. developing software, but it's so hard to differentiate sometimes the software. Like it's just, and you know this, you're in CRM. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them out there and they all Over have 2000 CRMs out there right now. Exactly, exactly. So how, like what makes your CRM different? What makes your product, your widget, your, your software solution different? It's a really, really challenging question. And sometimes it's who it's for. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it's the type of people you employ. I mean, there can be a lot of differentiators that are out there. But a lot of organizations don't think of it. They just think, well, we've got to check the boxes on the RFP and we've got to, yeah. you know, we've got to, you know, it's software. It's it, IT is choosing it. Well, they're humans too. That's right. That's right. Um, no, it's crazy. It's, it's uh, um, really understanding that it's going deep. It's really hard. Um, one of the things that um, when we engage with a client, we do a lot of workshops and things very similar to, it sounds like how you engage with yours. Yeah. Um, usually when we start out, there is a lot of disconnect. Um, a lot of times it's around strategic goals. Always number one is going to be more revenue. But beyond that, sure. um, we'll ask the executive team, okay, what can you rank your strategic goals? What's next in priority? That's when we start seeing that misalignment. And when we go through our process, it, it forcing them through that process, it helps to create that alignment and that, that focus. Does the same thing happen when you engage with your clients and you're taking them through your process? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say this, and this is really critical for us, is to make sure we have the right people in the room to start with. <laughs> because, and I'm sure you see this on the CRM oh, yeah. side, if, if you're dealing with a mid-level individual who's been given a task, go get us a new CRM, Chris, <laughs> right? They're, they're only feeling like they're being measured on that. They're not trying to like make the company better. They're not trying to create a new purpose for the company. Um, you know, they're, they're, they won't even entertain a challenge in the sales process of maybe this isn't really what you need, or maybe you need something in addition to this. They've got a task. They've been given a task. Go get us a CRM. Go, go get us a new point of sale retail management system. Go, go get us a new agency, right? But if you're dealing with the right people in that room who can actually take that minute and say, hey, let's step back and really look at like, maybe Chris and Marty are onto something here. Maybe this isn't, maybe this is a symptom and not, not the real, um, not the real cause of, of what's causing us this pain. That's where, that's what's really important. And I think, again, a lot of salespeople and I, you know, I've read a lot of literature, the challenger sale, I think was, you know, one of those books that came out and it just kind of blew everyone's mind, like going into a sale and like really challenging people. That's great. If you have somebody who's actually capable of acting on the challenge, if you can challenge them, right? If not, you're just, you're just trying to convince, you know, some mid-level IT manager um, to, to basically swim upstream at their organization and take on their boss and their boss's boss and their boss's right. boss's right. boss. Really, really hard. <laughs> like, oh, totally. Really hard. Um, they're just looking to check. They're like, ah. and anybody who actually does come in with that challenge, I think actually has the exact opposite effect. These guys are just making, you know, my life harder. And oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to swim upstream and I don't want to take on my boss and my boss's boss and my boss's boss's boss. So <laughs> that's like, that's such an important and critical step of all of these new ways of, of selling storytelling the challenger sale like all those things it, it it's somewhat meaningless if you're not in front of the right audience oh you can't say any better than that um marty um we're at our time here on sales lead dog it has been absolutely wonderful <laughs> listening to you if people want to reach out and connect with you if they want to learn more about three one what's the best way for them to do that yeah, on LinkedIn, uh, Marty Askwich on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there, and uh, I'd be happy to happy to chat more with with any of your listeners uh, and followers. You have a, a great thing, and I, I can't I can't I can't say it enough. I'm, thanks so much for the invite to join today, and it's been a great conversation. I feel like we could have talked for another hour. And oh, we could easily. I wish people would listen more than they do because I when I get into this kind of stuff, I could go forever. But, um, I don't think my listeners necessarily want me to, but uh, there you go. There you go. Um, we all have lives, right? So Marty, again, thank you for coming on Sales Lead Dog. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes. We'll have Marty's uh, link to his LinkedIn uh, profile on the show notes. EmpellerCRM.com forward slash Sales Lead Dog. Um, you'll find this episode and many more. Um, Marty, thank you again for coming on and welcome to the pack. Thank you so much. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales Lead Dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.